there's a love story in it. And then there's also a really dark, sad trajectory that led to our divorce. And um, sometimes I don't know which story to tell because you know what I mean? Like for my kids, yeah, even, it's yeah. like, what is, how do I tell the story that's so hard that what's the end of the story? What does this mean to me now? Welcome to The X-Files, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. I'm Claire. And I'm Janice. We are breakup coaches, here to help you beat your breakup, heal your broken heart, and move on to an amazing, abundant life. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of X-Files, and I guess a joint episode with um, About Face podcast. We've got its host, Kate Marlena, here with us this morning. Hi, Kate. Hi, Claire. Hi. 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 Well, this is kind of cool. So Kate is a mem- is a listener and she's a member of our Facebook group. And we started talking a couple months back about maybe doing a joint episode because Kate um, let me know that she has used some of the tips and tricks from X-Files and her breakups and it was very successful. And, you know, it just seemed like a match made in heaven. So we're glad to make this happen finally. Yeah. Well, also, like I said, we have so much in common when I started listening to your show. It was really funny because uh, Janice, you lived in Arizona and I went Mm -hmm. to college there. And then you also lived in Australia and I lived Mm -hmm. there for a bit. And then you also (laughs) married someone in Germany. And I was like, okay, this girl has way too much in common for me, like to not listen to her. Oh yeah. That is so interesting. We've lived in yeah multiple same places. Oh, and everyone um, who's listening, we're both blonde. So yeah, (laughs) we're both natural blondes. Oh yeah. I'm so natural. (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) Well, Kate, thank you so much for um, being here. And Kate's actually um, dialing in from Berlin. That's pretty cool. Still here. Yeah. I moved here like 10 years ago. It's kind of part of my story, which I can share, but yeah. Yeah, Super. Okay. Well then I was going to ask you why you were there, but it sounds like we're going to going to find out. Um, And it sounds like you might've gone to Germany for a man, just like I did. (laughs) (laughs) I really like Germany though. Yeah. I I liked living there. You can probably relate to this, but it's like, when you're younger and you're thinking of all the romantic places you can go. I mean, for me, Germany was not on that list. And I always thought, okay, maybe I'll end up in like France or Italy, or I don't know. I always thought England or New York for myself, something. But I think when I came here, so I had actually, well, do you want me to tell my story or do you want to do <laughs> Let's that? First of all, I mean, yes, I definitely do, but I thought it might be fun. Well, a fun for at least Claire and myself to know how you discovered X-Files and then, yeah. yeah, we'll get into how it helped you and how it relates to your stories. Yeah, let's do that. Um, so I've been through a lot of breakups and I'm 41. I've been divorced. I've called off a wedding. I've had like a lot of relationships in between. So in some ways I should be really experienced at this, but last summer I had what I consider still like one of my worst breakups, I think, because I wasn't prepared, um, for the end. I also wasn't prepared emotionally. Like it was the first sort of relationship I had since my divorce. And so part of me thought, "Eh, I'm like, not, I I couldn't be more emotional about this than my actual divorce. And so it was shocking to feel such heartache over a relationship that actually was only six months long and also a relationship that I wasn't really that serious about in the beginning. Um, but I was doing, so I should also mention I'm 
in a 12 step program for alcohol recovery. And I'm also in a 12 step program for sex and love addiction. Um, at the time, Slaw, I was right. Yes. Yeah. I'm Slan. Um, the person that I broke up with was also in both of these programs. So it's not like him and I never did work on ourselves or that we didn't have some self-awareness around recovery, codependency. Like this is all the language of these programs, you know, but again, I was shocked that I could be sort of brought to bite my knees. Um, and because I'm a podcaster, I'm so, um, just, how do I say this? I have such a reverence for the podcast community in all different ways, because I found so much healing through podcasts when I was going through recovery. And so I had the same th reaction of like, oh, maybe there's a resource for me for breakups. And I just, again, yeah. I wasn't really prepared for how much pain I was in. Um, so yeah, this was about August last summer and I found your podcast and I think I went through the first episodes really quickly. And of course, this message of um, no contact was like one of your stronger messages. And it was mm -hmm. interesting because I hadn't really considered that an option, you know, it was like, but of course we would stay in touch, you know? So actually no contact is something we do in SLAW. It's not like I hadn't heard of it. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's part of what they call like the withdrawal period. So that means that means no contact from like the person they treat it like an addiction. And so I know you've also talked about this in your show. It's like, yeah. when you go through a breakup, you have to treat it like a drug. And so again, because I'm in recovery, I was very familiar with this concept of, I have a physical, uh, chemist, chemical addiction to this person, to this high, to the sex, to the comfort, all of these ways that again, I was very familiar with dealing with, with drugs and alcohol, but then going, wait, you can have this with a person like that was really yeah. shocking. Um, interestingly, I, I think the way that you talk about it is really helpful because it's not just addicts who have this experience with relationships, right? Like yeah. this is something that can affect anyone with hormones. Like anyone with neurochemistry is going to have a physical response to a breakup. Um, yeah. so having heard that in program and then also like then finding your podcast, having it reiterated and going, this isn't just about my addiction. This isn't just about like, Kate has addictive problems, you know, like <laughs> Kate needs to do this. It was like, actually, this is a human response. You know, this is yeah. just a human experience. And, um, it was about self-care. And I really liked that message that you both have that no contact isn't about, and I did, by the way, find this content, like, you know, how to get them back with no contact, you know, and I know some... it's so toxic <laughs> and sad, but I kind of was tempted. I mean, there was yeah, part oh, of me that was like, when you're in pain, Ooh. of course, it's mm -hmm. like and I also like appealing. the idea of control, like that's yeah. control, right? That's, mm -hmm. Ooh, what can I do to get control back of this person? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think sometimes people see no contact as a way of, manipulating the other person emotionally. How can yeah. I make them miss me again? How can I make them want me again? And it's in some ways a game, but in some ways, because it kind of, I don't want to say it works, but I think there are, you know, you read in some of this um, literature about 
this is what happens when someone pulls away, then there's like these, this rat research on um, Mm -hmm. how people become more attached when you pull away from them or whatever. And it's like, I think people use this in the context of no contact to say, Mm -hmm. I'm going to win them back using this like (laughs) twisted thing. But anyway, I think you both really simplified it for me. It's like, no, this isn't about him. This isn't about, um, anything wrong in me. This is just about making a healthy choice for myself. Um, so anyway, yeah, with that breakup, it was hard because, um, the first two weeks of no contact, I was common. I was like kind of waiting for, like, you know, how you have said with your clients, sometimes you set some rule, like some, um, ideals, right. Maybe you'll wait a month or what do you kind of say, if I can get through this period. And I had a little calendar of like, it was like three months. I'm gonna go three months, no contact. I would mark off the days. Um, (laughs) but there was still in that time, I have to admit there was still this part of me that was like, okay, but then maybe he'll call right. Then maybe we can talk again. I was waiting Mm -hmm. for the end. And I, I would say to your listeners, like, that's not a nice way to go about it. Like it actually, I think draws it out. I think it can make it more painful. Um, it's Mm -hmm. kind of like when I quit drinking the first time I tried to quit drinking, I was like 20, 22. And I remember thinking, okay, if I can quit drinking for a year, I'm not an alcoholic. Well, Uh a year went by I was waiting for the day that I could Mm -hmm. drink again, which I did, you know, and it was like, it reminded me of that where it's like, if you're waiting and you're counting down for the day, like you're not over it, right. You're addicted. You're still just waiting for that fix. And so seeing it that way was also like, yeah, it was. So I would also say during this time though, like just the sheer amount of time away, right you're not like checking their Instagram. You're not knowing what they're doing. Like in some ways you're just living completely separate lives. And just the sheer uh, fact that there's that space, that time you're going to do some healing. You're going to get some distance. Now, Uh in my case, this last year, like we did have contact again and it was not good. The time we got in touch after that was devastating. Like I found out he was seeing someone else. Yeah. He's like, that's what yeah. I often hear from people yeah. is that after yeah. they, if they regain contact, it's, it actually ends up being even worse sometimes than it was before. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And because so, I mean, some healing has taken place. And I think when you try and, you know, become friends again after that, it can just, um, I mean, the wounds are still so raw. Yeah. Well, I think it can really escalate quickly into kind of a disastrous situation. Well, and the expectations, Mm -hmm. I think in my mind, he's going to have missed me. He's going to have reflected. He's going to have this new Mm -hmm. perspective. That's going to like make him realize how wrong he was um, and how stupid that was of him. Um, and that is not the message I got, you know? Um, yeah. And and honestly, what's hard for me too, is like, even now, like there was actually a big age gap between us. Like he was only 28 and I'm 41. And it was like, oof, like we knew going into this, there were some big differences in like our life goals. And so I think that's why there was some shock at the end where I was like, well, why are we doing this? And even actually I broke up with him. That's the other funny thing um, yeah. that we've talked that you, I heard you talk about on the show too, is like, just cause you're the one who ended it does not mean you're not going to be the one in pain at the end. And that was like, I'm like, wait, why do I care? Like Mm -hmm. I ended this, I was done with it. I hated the relationship, but somehow now I hate being out of it. You know, it was like, Mm -hmm. but anyway, yeah, a lot of my healing, um, in this last year has been like 
you know, really, I really attribute a lot to your podcast. I really enjoy your episodes. Um, I mean, obviously you're both so like friendly and relatable. And so I really like your stories and all that you've been through and what you brought from your personal experience into your practice. Um, I think it's so useful. Um, and I also agree with you that there's not a lot of resources on this. Like there's a yeah. lot of this online stuff about like yeah, how to get a guy back and this sort of, yeah. this, um, I would call it toxic. And this is more directed towards women, but there's, I've noticed this like trend of male dating experts who yes. are like, trying to tell women <laughs> how to get men. And it's like, yeah. for me, like I am a, I'm a therapist. Like I work in healing and to me, these are not healing practices. You no. know, this yeah, is about, there is a, yep. Agreed. It's either how to get him back want. or how to get him. I mean, yeah. And I think especially it's very seductive for women to listen to some of this. I mean, I listen to a little bit of it, especially when the men who are dispensing it are charming and good looking and have, you know, sexy accents, not using any names here. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> some of it's, it's also useful. Sorry, some of it is so good for sure. But I guess my point is um, there's not as much um, um, as what Claire and I do, which is just a resource for, for breakups and just how to yeah. feel better from, from your breakup and, you know, how to, how to navigate just that is, is all yeah. I'm saying. And telling people what they need to hear for like health and for their, their own self-confidence long-term mm -hmm. instead yeah. of just selling what people want when they're in a desperate like situation they're like i want this more than anything just make the pain stop and then mm -hmm. someone comes along and promises that if you follow what i'm saying it will give you what you want and it's like but is it is it ethical like not mm -hmm. really will it work probably not like it's it's really it's just shady and icky and you know <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah. And it's not like us women need any man to tell us how to get a man. If that's what we're looking for. I mean, like, I might, that's another, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really might. Um, but no, I think like one thing, and I think I've heard this from you several times is that our culture doesn't really have a space for this particular kind of pain, right? Like when mm -hmm. you go through, um, and I went, when I was going through my divorce, it was like some divorce has that edge, right? There's like a, Ooh, you're getting divorced, you know, Ugh, because of yeah. the legal drama and the, maybe you have kids, which I did, but there's not like, Oh my God, like I need to take off work because I'm going through a breakup. Like we don't have that. You might, you know, and the thing is like, I actually think the pain of this is like, is comparable to a death is comparable to you know, even when someone loses a pet, you get more sympathy, you know, this is not to diminish the pain of losing a pet, but it's actually to understand that like culturally, we don't have language around, uh, the pain and trauma of a breakup unless it is in the context of a divorce. Yeah. And I don't think that actually adds up because I've been through both and I can tell you like my breakups yeah. have been harder than my divorce for different reasons. They don't feel yeah. the same for me same. actually. And I think when there's not a divorce involved, it's really easy for people, which we've talked about on the show. It's really easy for people to just say, you know what? You just need to put this behind you. Like, just put this behind you. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> like, I'm, I can't get out of bed. You yeah, know, I don't much. really know what that looks like. And so or I like, that's you'll why find we're someone better. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, yes. Or you're lucky. Those is, you know, all I, things I heard when I left, you know, German boy uh, is that, you know, you're better off. So like, why are you so upset? If you're better off then how, you know, can you be devastated? (laughs) And so, yeah, we try to be as practical as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was so glad it helped. Um, And I think, you know, before we get in too much further, uh, we'd be curious to hear if you, if you feel comfortable sharing anything about your divorce. Oh, sure. Um, And like maybe pre- X files, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll try go. to keep it a bit um brief, but I think the story is relevant. You know, it's like um, yeah. so when I was in my 20s, like I was a pretty like free spirit, you know. But I think as I was approaching, it's not like I didn't have relationships. I had many, but I wasn't like looking to get married necessarily. Um, as I approached 30, I think I did start feeling this pressure, like, especially cause I was living in the U S um, I was in New York at the time, but like my, <laughs> my younger sister got married, like all my friends were getting married. And, um, I actually like rushed into an engagement with my high school boyfriend oh, and wow. yeah, it was. And so this was the story I wrote you is that we speaking of not letting people go, um, we were like high school sweethearts and we started writing love letters to each other when we were like 18. And so from 18 to to 29, we weren't in the same state. Like I was in Arizona, Minnesota, moved to New York. He was in Wisconsin and we started like Skyping and we got engaged like within a month. And I I think looking back, it was just like, okay, we're turning 30. Like we used to love each other. Like, let's just try this. And, um, so I dropped out of, I was in a PhD program at NYU dropped out, moved in with him and we planned this whole wedding. And, um, it was like getting closer. And I was just like, Hmm, (laughs) this was like, I just couldn't let go of this story. And this is why, I started becoming really interested in like the role of story, not just in like breakups, but in relationships in general. Mm. Um, So I actually studied literature. I was getting a PhD. And so, you know, I did a lot of work on stories and narrative, but I couldn't see how it was actually um, driving me right in my life. And I think this is a good example of, I had a love story. I remember Mm. thinking, this is a love story. We met when we were 16. I lost my virginity to him we've been writing love letters. Like yeah. what a great story. Now it's going to end with our marriage end, well, not end, but you know, then we're just going to like really yeah. put a bow on this. After. Exactly. <laughs> Completely. Um, but I didn't know him. I moved yeah. in with him. And I remember this day I opened up, <laughs> I moved into this like small studio in Wisconsin. You can imagine after living in Manhattan and I moved back to Wisconsin yeah. and I remember living in the studio and like opening up this closet and it was full of like fishing gear and waders. And I'm like, Oh my God, like you're a fisherman. Like, just, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know you. I mean, I didn't, I hadn't really lived in the same state as him for 10 years. Mm. Um, yeah. Not that I didn't love him or care about him on some level, but like we didn't never have practical conversations about groceries or money. It was like, let's write poems and just talk Mm. about love, you know? Um, So anyway, I did call off the wedding. That's when I went to Australia um, and I started just like traveling the world. So I was like, okay, I don't want to do this. I was like, I wanted to kind of be on my own. And so, yeah, I spent a couple years traveling and at some point my friend, I had a friend in Berlin and they were like, oh, you should come here. And I just thought it'd be one month in Berlin, 
go to some clubs, uh-huh. go back to San Francisco. <laughs> and um, I was on dating apps at the time. So this was before Tinder, actually. It was just like, um, okay, Cupid, I think was the only one we had. But anyway, um, I was on okay, Cupid. I'm like, I want to meet someone who speaks English because everybody I met was like German. And um, I met mm-hmm. a guy from Detroit. And I still remember my message to him. I was like, would you like to show like a culturally deprived American around Berlin? And Ooh, so baby, that's a good yeah. opener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so this is funny. Okay. So I can like sum up the next eight years pretty quickly, which was. <laughs> we, <laughs> I totally we know fell, what you mean. We, <laughs> Step we one. Fell in love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I was kind of whirlwind romance kind of person anyway. So like yeah. we fell in love. I moved in with him. Like we met in September. I moved in in October. We got engaged like that summer. And the funny thing was he knew I was like, uh, I had called off my wedding. And mm-hmm. so when we talked about getting married, he was like, well, I'm not proposing to you, Miss Runaway Bride. He's like, if you want to get married, you have to propose to me. So I proposed to him that okay. summer. We got married six months later. Um, so also in my stories, like we were both pretty heavy partiers and drinkers. And so one thing for me was like, okay, when I have a baby, like I don't, we can't keep up this lifestyle. And I kind of thought he was on the same page. It was like, um, I think these are just assumptions that we make, you know, about people, but I thought, okay, we're going to, um, change essentially. Um, and I don't, you know, I have my own story with alcohol. Like I don't want to bring him into it, but I can say the role that alcohol played in our marriage was another, the same role it played in our divorce. It was like, Mm -hmm. it brought us together. And then when I quit drinking, we didn't have that. There was other issues related to, I would say, um, rage and, you know, there were issues like, I don't know how to say this. I don't like the word abuse. I think it's a, and I don't know why, because I think I've talked myself out of that so many times where it's like, okay, he didn't hit me. I think even saying this to you out loud is scary for me because Mm -hmm. I am like, what if his mom is listening? You know, like I Mm -hmm. haven't told anyone in our close circle really what happened, um, partly to protect him. And also because we co-parent now. So I feel like part of me, again, I think the role of story is really relevant here too, because there are two stories that for us, right. There's like our love story. There was falling in love. There was like me moving here for him and having kids and there's a love story in it. And then there's also a really dark, sad trajectory that led to our divorce. And, um, sometimes I don't know which story to tell because you know what I mean? Like for my kids, yeah, even do. it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. what is, how do I tell the story? That's so hard that what's the end of the story? What does this mean to me now? And, um, you know, if he was sitting here with me, I would tell him like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It went this way, but I still like love parts of our story. I still love that. We had these kids. I'm yeah. also really glad we're divorced you know, yeah. like I can, under, I can relate because my marriage also ended <laughs> pretty badly. I don't think, um, two people hated each other more when, <laughs> when we finally separated for good. Um, but he also played a really important role in my life because he, we were together when I left the Mormon church and the first few years were really great. And, you know, he had my back in a way that, you know, like nobody else, no one else did. And I always, you know, I'm reminding myself, like, I don't want to take that away from me because leaving the Mormon church was like this really big 
cool thing that I did in my life. And, you know, I left much earlier than, you know, most people who get out of that faith do. Um, and he was, you know, really, really, really important um, part of that. And, uh, you know, I can't separate my story of leaving Mormonism from my relationship with him. And so it's, yeah, kind of this constant battle of, yeah, what, what yeah. story is it? And like, what did this relationship really mean to me, especially considering how bad it ended? Well, and I think for your listeners, it's a really important point because what we can do is understand that there can be multiple truths that we don't have to settle on a singular narrative. And I think people get stuck here because it's like, but they're not all bad. No, they're not. Yeah. And also it wasn't all good, right? Like, I think we can get stuck in trying to find the truth because actually the role of story is very innate in human beings. Like we're wired to make meaning. Our brains are wired to make sense and make meaning of our experiences. And so this is actually how we survive, right? We pay yeah. attention to what has happened to us. We process the experience. We try to make sense and say, I'm going to do this again or not this again. And so the idea that we wouldn't be making a story up is just like impossible. And so yeah. what we can do though, is try to appreciate multiple truths at the same time and go here, this did happen. And so did this, but this doesn't have to rule out, you know, you don't have to erase the beautiful moments just because it's over. Right. And mm -hmm. I think this is a really hard thing to do and not to be confused with romanticizing, right? Like it's one thing to try to look back on a relationship and be like, Oh my God, this was so amazing. How could this end? You know, that's different than going, we had some really great moments. This person taught me a lot, you know, and Claire, I think you outlined once this, uh, I think it was you who had these like, like reflection things. It was like, what did this relationship, um, maybe you remember it better than I do, but it was like, what did this relationship teach me? It was like yeah. letters to yourself or letters to, oh, it was letters to the person. And it was yeah. like how saying thank you. And we you, you remind I'm me, sorry, I forgive you. Exactly. Yeah, and like I think, yes. And I loved this exercise because this allows for these multiple truths, right. To exist yeah. and to not feel, I have to put this all into one story. That's going to make mm -hmm. sense for everybody. Um, and also like your truth is going to be different than theirs. And that's also okay. Yeah. Right. That like someone else can have the exact same experience as you and tell a different story. You don't have to fight them. It doesn't make yeah. your story false, right? Like you exactly. have to, and I, I think sometimes people get confused with the word story as though it means a fairy tale, right? Or this is a yeah. made up thing. Like when I say story, I just mean a explanation of the experience, right? Or yeah. a way of making sense of something. But the way we use the word story to describe yeah. the meaning making part, right? Yeah, the um, meaning making. And so and like- yeah, please. So I was just going to say, what would you say about the fact that what I hear from some some people, I think a lot of people understand the concept of, of stories once um, writing the end of your story. But what I mean, a lot of people say will get kind of um, confused with what your ex's story is and get mm -hmm. really wrapped up and concerned about that compared to your own yeah. story, which is yeah, something I mean, you can't control as no. well. Mm -hmm. That's the main part. Right. And also like I think this comes back to our own insecurities and our own sense of um, value and worth, right? Like 
sometimes we're looking for that person to mirror us or agree, you know, this happens in all kinds of ways in our lives, not just with exes, but like even politically, right? Like sometimes we're looking for something to confirm who we are, like our identity, our sense of self. I mean, this is a basic human need to belong, right? Mm -hmm. Having someone reflect your truth is a way of feeling secure. It's not, it's, it's a biological experience. So Mm -hmm. I think what we have to remember is like, you have to get over that fear of, Ooh, this is scary to feel alone right now. And having a belief that's singular, like separate is Mm, disconnecting. It feels like, Ooh, I'm even fully pulling more away from this person. We don't even agree on what happened. Yes. This is what, how how sometimes the concept of closure comes in and it's like, well, Mm. true closure is coming to all these determinations, you know, on your own. And then, you know, kind of fighting the urge to make sure your ex knows, you know, the conclusions that you came to and, you know, making sure that they know, you know, maybe the impact that they had on you and yeah, pulling away even more and just like sitting with it. Like this is, just my story. It doesn't need to be theirs as well. I may never know how they feel about it or they, you know, may never fully realize, um, you know, how horrible I thought they were or how I was impacted. Um, and that's fine because that means that we're creating more space between us and the urge to like, tell them what you're learning post breakup, because, Mm what you're learning is really dependent on everything that's led up to this point for you, which is obviously different than what has led up to that point for that person. They may never come to the same conclusions that you do about like attachment style or what actually caused the breakup or Mm -hmm. anything like that, or what this means in their lives. And so yeah, you you can't force someone to be on the same meaning making page as you just to like feel more comfortable and feel like you have social proof that you're right. You kind of have to go on that journey of gaining confidence in yourself and in mm-hmm. your own interpretation without needing anyone else to like confirm that for you. And that's hard to do. It's that's so hard. really hard. It's a, it's a hard urge to fight. I, I think it's very um, human, you know, mm-hmm. again, it's like, we have to forgive ourselves of these instincts because like, I know you've talked about this before. It's like, they're meant to keep us safe, right? They're meant to keep us in a social clan and with, you know, this feeling of security and safety that comes with understanding and belonging. And, and I think stories are a part of that, right? Like it's, but I think again, to have some perspective and awareness, like, if you're desperately trying to figure out, and I'm saying this because I've done it, I'm not like above this. I still do it sometimes. It's like, if you're in that loop of like, what do they think? What do they think happened? What do they think of me? What do they think of the breakup? What are they thinking about me now? Like all these questions, like you have to bad. (laughs) Yeah. My (laughs) ex-husband will probably never admit what happened. I could tell him stories. I could make up a podcast, you know, like it doesn't matter how much I try to say or articulate, or I'm a writer too. So it's like, I have this need to like, I want to write things down. I want to share them. I want people to like, you know, read what I write and understand me better. Um, And that's great. Make some art, you know, make something and share it, but don't think you can change one particular person or that Mm -hmm. what, you know, what you need to say has to land with that person, you know, Mm -hmm. and I would ask, why do you care? 
Why are you, yeah. what do you care? And I think it's not an easy answer, but sometimes we can get a bit closer to the truth, which I think it's like, we want to feel value. Can you give yeah. that to yourself? Is there a better way to give that sense of belonging and value to yourself without looking to that one source that you've been dependent on, right? Well, this is a good segue into what I was just about to ask, which is, I think one reason we look for um, closure in the sense of making sure our ex knows our, the story that we've come up with is because breakups can be such a lonely thing to navigate. And they can be such a lonely thing to get over because no one really will fully understand what it was like for us at the end of the relationship. And, you know, we don't get the validating messages from our friends and family. And even if people are like, yeah, you know, they were a jerk, you're right, you know, time to move on. No one can fully, you know, um, embody what those moments were like for us. And so somehow we think that like really nailing it, you know, nailing our eggs and really giving it to them will somehow help us with that. So when you're looking for that comfort and that company, how, what would you suggest for people using narrative therapy to, you know, create that for themselves? So in narrative, I mean, we're working with stories, right? And we're looking at what stories are we telling ourselves about our experience, about our past, about who we are. Um, I think with breakups, for me, it triggers like these deep, deep core wounds, these yeah. really inner child wound experiences where we feel a sense of lack. I mean, the reason attachment theory is so popular is because it's looking at these core wounds going like, what's underneath this all? That's very compelling because it's very real that like we're all bringing our childhood, our family dynamics, our traumas, like all of this is coming out in a breakup. It's not just a breakup, right? It's going to trigger all of these other things, our feelings of loneliness, our feelings of of not belonging. You might start feeling like that teenager again who was bullied. Like whatever your experience is is going to be triggered, right? So mm -hmm. what I would try to do, I mean, obviously everybody's experience is so different, but if you can start to look at what is coming up for you, right? What stories are you telling yourself about yourself because of the breakup? You know, some of it's basic feeling unlovable, feeling not good enough. Oh, I'm not pretty enough. I mean, that was always my thing, which is really funny because no one breaks up with you because you're not pretty enough. You know, it's like, yeah, it's just not the case. It, there is something else going on, right? They were mm -hmm. with you. Like, and I think that, that thought is not about the person. It's about us. That's about yeah. cultural shame. That's about media shame. That's all these other things that are being layered on our breakup that have nothing to do with the other person. Right. So if you can start looking at what stories are coming up for you, you can actually start to see like, and I love this message you have too, about this being a fertile time for growth, because yeah. I actually think the more that's coming up for you, the more you probably can work on, right. It's not just about the breakup. It's like, yeah. Ooh, I have this kind of like really old story about feeling not good enough or, you know, sometimes it does trigger our daddy issues. You know what? <laughs> like we, ha we can work on it. And, um, yeah. so yeah, I think th the narrative perspective is really about how are we attaching stories 
to our pain, right? And how are the stories actually deepening our level of pain because we're feeling it in a core way, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to yeah. minimize, like it is actually, you're losing a person for sure. Like you're, <laughs> you're having a loss. Um, but I do, I do think like I had a client, actually, we worked together for a year on her breakup. This was actually before I even found your podcast before I went through mine. And I remember just like, I felt really helpless because we were going through her story of the breakup month after month, you know, it was like, um, and, and I kept going like, this is not about this guy, you know, it was like, but in almost some ways, like, I think breakups can be the thing we attach to, like, I don't want to, and you know, she had like, I don't want to say too much, but there was just like a a lot of family history stuff. And it was like, we kept coming back to this breakup. And in my mind, I'm like, this is about something else. But I think sometimes it's a focal point when we're not dealing with our other stuff. Right. Yeah. And it's a safer, it's a safer way to explore things that are coming to the surface. Like it's easier to be like, he did this or blah, blah, blah. Like, and this was the dynamic between us rather than saying and like admitting that subconscious like knowledge that this was the dynamic between, you know, just to be cliche, my father and I. Like, so, you know, if, if you say the core issue, there's, you're kind of like committing to unpacking or, or at least having to deal with that knowledge. And I love what you said earlier about it being a fertile time um, for for exploring all of these other issues because it made me think of like a field you know when you want to plant something in the field you have to plow the land first which is like quite a literal upheaval and it's bringing what was underneath to the surface and it's like this really cool metaphor so thanks for that trigger word that like brought that image to my head but it's painful to plow that's pain yeah yeah. And, you know, the entire ecosystem in that field is disrupted for a time. And, you know, all the birds and stuff have to make new nests and mm-hmm. new ground squirrel holes and things, you know? So that's scary for those squirrels. It's like a yeah, scary time. They're mm-hmm. like, the world is ending. Um, and yeah, <laughs> especially it's if it's like a dry desert field, <laughs> that's going to take you lots of time to plow. <laughs> oh yeah yeah so we can keep extending like, this three riders are planting the same plant in the same field you'll run out of the nutrients that you need to grow so you need to cycle the plants and have different phases oh my god okay <laughs> and then not to mention you know fertilizer and manure and you know all the um i know these pesticides yeah uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, which is like maybe unhealthy coping mechanisms with exactly, the, like pesticides yeah. instead of like co-planting. Ooh, other Claire, I like that one. Oh yeah, I I've had a client be like, I chose to work with you because of your metaphors, and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> but actually, like speaking of metaphor and uh, symbolism, like it's actually a really powerful way. You know, humans, again, like we use symbolism and metaphors to 
understand things like beyond sometimes our comprehension. Like that's why dreams have symbolism, you know, like our subconscious actually works in metaphors and symbols. And so, um, you're not wrong. You know, it's like understanding some of these psychic affiliations can be a really powerful way to relate to what our feelings are. And, um, yeah, just sort of not unrelated, but during this time I started doing a lot of visual art and I was making, so I do like digital collage and I started doing abstract painting. And I realized that like, this was this outlet that, I mean, I was, I'm a lawyer. I was a trained lawyer. I was getting a PhD in literature. It's like my whole life has been about language and words and explaining and making meaning. And then just this year I was like, but does everything have to have words for it? You know, do I have to be the person making meaning in this literal way? Right. So I started using visual art to connect with this different part of myself that was like, actually, I don't want to have to tell a story anymore. You know, I I want to express myself. I want to share parts of my experience, but I don't want to have to put into words, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, just the use of metaphor and symbolism is very interesting as part of our experience and understanding of what we go through. Well, I think that's why the Bible has been such such a successful <laughs> book still to this day is I think that's why people I thought that was literal. Yeah. What are you mm-hmm. talking about? <laughs> All right. Well, go ahead. Claire. Yeah. So so speaking of making meaning out of breakups, like what is what are some of the most important things that you have learned from your breakups? And maybe that can that can help some of our listeners. Yeah. I mean, I think interesting, like we start having breakups in like, I don't know, second grade, right? You have this, are we going out, you know, and um, going out, it's like, (laughs) you know, or just the feelings of like misunderstanding, rejection, you know, Mm. not belonging, like the feelings that come up with like a romantic breakup and even the literal experience of a romantic breakup. Like it actually starts when we're pretty young. Right. But I think for me, because of this attachment to store like love stories, right? Culturally, we have this real affinity for the romantic love story. I think, I don't know if you've read Bell Hooks, but I think, so she wrote this book all about love and it's about this romanticization of romantic love. And her book inquires like, what is love? Like, what is it really? What do we really want? And I love it because every chapter is about a different kind of love. So one is like your love with your parent, maybe your love as a parent, your love with yourself, spiritual love, community love, only in like in passing does she talk about romantic love. And so what I've learned is like, I think because of our cultural narratives around romantic love, we are sort of socialized to believe that is the only form or that's the one we should strive for. And yet there's love all around us, you know, in our friendships, you know, with our families or maybe our chosen families or our communities. And like, you get to choose love, right? You don't have to wait for it. It doesn't have to come in this form, right? Of a relationship. And when one ends, you still have it, right? You still have a choice to find it and connect with it in all kinds of ways, And it does start with ourselves. You know, I think Janice, your message around being single and like learning to love yourself before you are able to embark, you know, I think 
you guys are a bit younger than me. And so I've noticed this trend with younger people that like, there's this idea of like, you just have to like find yourself first and then you'll be ready for love. And to, for me, this narrative is slightly problematic because I don't think there's an end. I don't think there's like, oh, you're, yeah. you're full and you're ready. And then now you get to be whole with another person. It's like, mm -hmm. you can be yeah. whole when you're in a breakup, you know, you can be whole, yeah. like, like I'm 40, I'm divorced, I'm single, but I still feel more whole than I ever have. I also like had a lot of reckless you know, relationships and I mm -hmm. learned a lot. So it's a different, I do think generally, generationally, there's a lot, you're, I think people in their twenties and like early thirties were given a bit more of this push around, like, you don't have to get married. You don't have to do this. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there was a lot of pressure around self-development. Like, is your career ready? Like, are you, are you completely whole? And I, I just yeah. think that's a lot of pressure to put on a person before they can find love. Like you can always yeah. do the work. You can yeah. do the work in a, a relationship, out of a relationship. Like, I think you shouldn't use a relationship to make yourself feel whole but you don't yeah. have to be a perfected version mm -hmm. to find love. I know I put in our Facebook group, the post that I did about, you know, just that I was single for four years. And, you know, it's funny. I had wrote, written this post and I was just thinking, well, you know, I don't want to completely hide that I'm in a relationship because, you know, it's not really fair to him, but, you know, I really want to emphasize what my the journey of my last four years has been and how, and, I meant for it to be more about that. And everyone took it as though, like I was doing this grand announcement about like being with someone, which is not what I intended to do at all. I I wanted people to, you know, think about being, you know, being single and that eventually it leads, you know, to all these good things. Um, but someone in the Facebook group asked, um, were you ever scared that you weren't going to find someone? And I was like, not at all, because my relationship with myself was just so fulfilling that I never even thought about looking for someone, you know, this is yeah. just what happens is that you attract good people into your life, like the stronger you come and, you know, sometimes it just happens and you click with someone, you know, like yes. when you're not looking, you find it. <laughs> type yeah, of yeah. Thing. Um, so I, was I, like actually, you I was thinking about you yesterday, I was driving around and I was feeling like just so good. And, um, I'm kind of dating, like different, like multiple people right now. And it's kind of fun because I don't feel this like fear or attachment. I'm just like, Oh, I think this is what Janice was talking about. Like you just kind of, once you feel good in yourself, right. You don't have that sense of scarcity and fear. And, yeah. um, and that, that my point to you wasn't like, you shouldn't be single. It's just more, mm -hmm. I think this idea that you'll, you have to be completely healed and whole before yeah. you can find love. I don't think it's true. That's the only part I remembered now what I wanted to say. Um, okay. and this is like kind of tied to this, uh, a few years ago, I was connected with this woman on, uh, also through podcasting and she does a lot of work, um, on egg freezing and, oh. um, and, uh, we had a bit of a collaboration going anyway. One of the things I did was like, listen to all her stories of these women who are egg freezing. And this is where I started to notice this trend of younger women feeling like their lives had to be absolutely perfect before they had kids. They might have, they were looking for like the perfect relation, perfect husband, perfect job. Like they wanted everything and maybe it's because I've, I know I've, cause I've been through it. It's like, life can be very messy, right? You can't always yeah. predict. And I'm, it's not to say you shouldn't plan or you shouldn't 
try to create the best situation for yourself. But I think having an obsession with the outcome and trying so hard to create perfection. I don't know. I think it can be dangerous at the same time. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, I think that's what I'm seeing with that movement as well is it's very similar to the whole, I've got to find my soulmate this year is, you know, I've also (laughs) got to have kids and I've got to be on that path before I can really feel like, you know, I've gotten it all, you know, like this is the one thing that's missing. Mm. Whereas, you know, with, if you can just, you know, focus on the relationship you have with yourself, you might not feel like anything is missing. And then, you know, you don't have these expectations that may or may not be met. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I completely agree that, um, that you're never going to like arrive at this place where every day you feel super great about being single or you love spending every night at home. Like I think Janice, you talk a lot about being good with your relationship with yourself, but it's not that you're always alone. Like you've built up those other relationships in your life where you can experience love through friendship and you can experience love through volunteering and you have all these other inputs um, that I think can be frequently, um, neglected in pursuit of this romantic love yeah that's a good point yeah mm-hmm. and then- yeah, that's a really good point you know I built something that was really you know that was really thriving that had nothing to do with you know who I was dating exactly um, which now yeah yeah um, and I yeah. think also like part of the journey of this lifetime commitment to you know um introspection and personal development and all of this which is like not a bad thing but putting things on hold until you arrive at a certain destination with that is a problem because you need to be triggered you need to be in relationship with other people and see the mirror of yourself in order to like make progress in that area there's only so much you can do in a vacuum um, and only so much you can learn about yourself in, until you're relating to other people and you're seeing like, ooh, opposites and similarities and all of these different things. So like, yeah, have relationships before you're a complete whole person for sure. <laughs> and maybe you'll never be completely whole. I mean, I think that's yeah. another thing is like, we're all just people learning, you know, and it's, exactly. I think maybe because I feel like I'm maybe speaking a bit to younger listeners, but I think that was kind of my point is like, we're all, we go through pain, you know, like I, I just had like, there's like been four or five women from my high school class who have lost their husbands recently. And it's like, these are the people who like on Facebook are just like images of perfection, like, you know, the house, the kids and everything. And then this like tragedy, you know, and this isn't about like, shot in Freudin or something. It's just like, oh my God, like it doesn't like all this, the the idea of perfection is just passing. And it, it, like, we only have a certain amount of time, right? Like you can't believe that you, you have to arrive or that there's some arrival. Like we literally just don't have, it's not what life is, right? There's always going to be trauma. There's always going to be pain. And inside of relationships, there is, you have to, if you come into your relationship thinking that you're already whole and that you're great, I mean, you're not going to be able to grow with your partner in any way. You won't be able to have a conflict with your partner if you think that, you know, you've got it all put together and all figured out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, the foundation for a very good relationship. So uh, you mentioned earlier that you were dating. Is there anything that you'd be comfortable telling us about, you know, like your current chapter? Yeah, well, I wanted to um, just reflect on something Claire said about um, how we learn in relationships. Um, I was just in Paris last weekend with a friend and her and I, this is funny, actually, we met in an online support group. Um, she's in a uh, slot and we just like connected right away. And when I was going through this breakup, she was just like the person I would call, she lives in Tucson and we were just like constantly in communication. But anyway, she just like flew out to Berlin and we met for the first time and went to Paris. And, um, anyway, I said to her, like, you know, I wish I would have never dated this person who I had the breakup with. I'm like, it was, I just feel like it was so stupid. And she goes, oh my gosh, like, are you kidding? She's like, we never would have met. And she goes, think of all that you've learned this year because of that yeah. breakup. And I was like, oh my God, I, so this is what I can say is like, because of that experience and because of the pain, I've completely changed the way that I date, the way that I um, partner even, like I've had another relationship sort of in between um, um, and the guy was great. It just wasn't a good match for me, like emotionally. Um, so we broke up in April and I think I mentioned to you um, that in that relationship, I just went no contact right away. And that actually was much easier. And I think to be fair, like sometimes it's easier to go no contact when you're not totally emotionally, you know, yeah. invested or devastated, you know, it felt easier in that case, but, um, well, and it had been a short relationship from what I understand too. Right. Yeah. It wasn't like, yeah, but, um, well, that's why yes. going slow helps because Dating. then you can like kind of go no contact without it being as devastating. Yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think where I'm at now is that, um, I have a lot of learnings, you know, but I feel like I'm, um, I think this sounds strange, but because I'm getting better at letting things go, I'm more open. I'm more like, okay. And here's a strange thing. Like, like last summer, right before this breakup, I was with a friend and I was like, I've like never been dumped. Like I've never been broken up with. Like I haven't really had this like deep heartache. And my friend was like, well, maybe you need to go through that. And I was like, no, like I'm good. <laughs> no, thank <laughs> yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. And, um, literally it was like a month later that I went through this breakup, which was like very unexpected, but it actually was really liberating for me because this thing that I had put off, like I was so scared of this pain, what that would feel yeah. like this rejection or the sense of like, just something ending so suddenly was like so terrifying to me. And then I went through it and it sucked like for sure. But now I'm like, okay, like I can do this, you know, I yeah. can handle my pain. And I think, I think you both have talked about this, but this is also something I've been working on, um, with some, with some other people is this idea that you have to trust yourself. And like, that doesn't mean just trusting your instincts when you're dating or trusting like, um, your feelings, but also trusting that you can handle what happens to you. Right. And, um, yeah. that's so useful. Like when you're dating, because you come in it with a sense of confidence, right? Like, okay, like this might not work. I will be okay. Right. Not carrying yeah. this weight of, oh my God, I don't want to go through that again. Uh, learning to trust yourself that you can handle pain, right? We have to, and, um, breakups are the worst for sure. But once you go through it, like you really can take that as a badge, you know, it's like you've been through something really hard yeah. and you can really strengthen your resilience through, through it. 
I love that and completely agree. <laughs> I mean, one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on is because like you've you've been there. You are where our listeners have been right now. You've also listened to the podcast and it's helped. And so now now is like the floor is yours to to help your fellow listeners as well. <laughs> oh, that's so. a really cute way to put it. I like that so much. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> Um, well, firstly, thanks for having me. I mean, it's, it really is an honor to meet you both because I appreciate your work so much. Um, and you know, because I've been through, you know, recently even like just going through recovery, going through divorce, you know, I feel like I've been through some hard stuff and, um, I think the greatest strength I've found in myself and others is the ability to ask for help and the ability to seek out resources for support. And so just the fact that somebody has found your podcast and they're taking this time to understand their pain, to understand what's happening and to try to find a solution for it, like says a lot about who they are, right? Like it already says like they're willing to do the work and you know, we all have work to do. Like we all have, um, pain and childhood, um, traumas. And I, th I think trauma, you know, there's big, there's capital trauma and little t trauma, you know, but the idea that we've all been through real stresses in our lives and pains. And, um, so just the fact that you are in a position where you might be really triggered in your life right now. Um, and it can be such a dark time. You know, I used to suffer depression. I remember the worst part of it was like, and the only reason I'm on medication, so I'm not like totally over it, but just this feeling of like hopelessness, right? This feeling like I'm never going to get better, right? This is mm. this pain is never going to go away. Um, and that's for me, the most important thing to remember is that it will, you know, this too shall pass, but like more importantly, like your feelings are moving through you. Right. And yeah. you can learn how to manage them. And like one last thing, just that I find really helpful is, uh, there's this meditation called rain by Tara Brock. And do you, this. do you know it? Do you know um, this one? Yes, but yeah, please. Well, please so I find it really helpful because it's a really quick way to, um, how do I say, maybe just manage negative feelings. So say you're feeling really overwhelmed. It could be sadness, anger, um, just anxiety, this feeling of like, Oh, like in your gut and this, this meditation, you can Google it. It's on like YouTube, or you can listen to it on a podcast to have her guide you. But, um, it's to, so the reins is like an acronym. It's like R A I N and you recognize the emotions and then you allow them. So you basically just like create space, right? Not to judge yourself, say, okay, I can feel whatever this feeling is. And the I is to investigate. And here's where you like actually try to feel where the, your feeling is in your body. And the idea is like, because you're slowing down your mind, you're stopping this like repetitive thinking, this like really the ways that we can get caught in our negative thinking patterns or fears or whatever. When you go back into your body, you're able to actually calm your mind too. Um, and the last part is, and, and she describes it as like nourishing. And there's this, it's about self-compassion really. What would you give yourself in this moment to alleviate that pain, it, wherever it is, right? Maybe you feel it in your heart, 
you know, your stomach, like anyway, I find it really helpful when I'm having a moment of like real stress. So I think because I think a lot of your listeners are probably coming when they're experienced physical ailments to physical feelings of pain. And so I just find that meditation really, really useful and like really practical actually. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll definitely link it in the show notes. And what stands out to me is that it ties back to the fertile (laughs) metaphor because you have to have rain. That's true. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, Kate, thank you so much. Claire, do you have anything else that you want to pick Kate's brain about? (laughs) I mean, like so many things, but I think this conversation, thank you so much for coming on the show and like for our listeners, please go listen to your podcast because it's, it's really, really good as well. And I think it'll be a really good another supplement to your healing journey so yes thank you so much everybody go check out about face podcast is there anything else that you want to um tell our listeners about as far as what you're up to what you're working on um yeah so you can find my art at kate.marlene sorry i'm gonna say this wrong katemarlena.art on instagram and then also I have another Instagram account, Kate Marlena Love. I'm so bad. I keep changing my handles because mm. I can't stick with it. But I, um, I like I mentioned, I'm going through divorce, so I cut off my my last name. Um, but you can also find my work at Kate uh, Lismer, L E I S M E R. Um, I think that's all my accounts. Yeah. Great. Well, we'll make sure everyone is well, well aware of that. And yes, thank you for everything that you're doing. I really like what you brought into this episode as far as narrative therapy goes and your own experiences. And I mean, you've just done such a remarkable job learning from, you know, everything that you've gone through. And I think it's great. I'm so glad that we did this and I hope that it helps our listeners. I know that it will. Oh, thank you so much. And I really, um, I truly value what you both are doing and I just love how you bring your own, um, your own experience, but also your personalities. Like I, as a podcaster, I think you kind of go like, is someone like, to me, it's nothing if someone doesn't share themselves. And I think you're both so generous with your stories and who you are. And I think that's why you're really relatable and easy to listen to and, and really comforting, honestly. Like there's been times where I've been so sad and I'm like, when is a new episode coming out? Like, oh, I, just well, I mean, my yeah, heart like, is just, yeah. you know, thumping right now. We appreciate really that so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I mean, we're really out there trying to make this um, useful for our listeners. So to hear that it is means a lot. Absolutely. Thanks. Right. Everyone go check out Kate's work and we'll see you back next week. Thank you for listening to X-Files, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. If you liked this episode, please help others find us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by following the show on Spotify. And if you'd like to connect more with us and learn about breakup coaching, find us on Instagram at X-Files Podcast.